everybody. This is Melinda with Melinda Chats, and we are joined with Lee from across the pond. (laughs) Um, Today, I'm excited because we actually got to meet in person. And for those of you that do not know, um, they actually do the podcast across the pond with me. And sometimes we get to integrate in different fun things and um, have a blast together. So, and they also do my editing and Mm -hmm. it's and they're also a dear friend. So it's yes. been wonderful. <laughs> yes. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm very well. Thank you. Happy Pride Month. Happy um, Pride Month to you. We, we actually met last month in May. Um, so as, as we're recording this, um, uh, this is Pride Month in June. Um, and um, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's nice. Pride Month's nice to see lots of representation online and stuff. And um yeah, it, it's good. It was good to meet you in person. It was it's funny because when you know people very well online, like we know each other very well, we work together and we're good friends as well. So it it's funny when you then actually, you know, hug for the first time and sit and it's 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 a good moment, but it's also it's like kind of anti-climatic because it's like okay, we're already friends. <laughs> we're not more friends now, we're just still friends. Like you know. you know what I thought it was? I think it was nice to just sit in your presence. Yeah. I think that's what I got from yeah. it. It was yeah. just nice. Yeah. Not that we don't sit in each other's presence like this, but um, <laughs> to have you see me spill and see how actually clumsy I am. <laughs> that was, it wasn't that the was fact so that you spilt, spilt the water. It was the fact that it then the table was tipped. So it was about to pour itself perfectly into your handbag. Perfectly. Oh, trust me. And your purse live- was all the way open to oh, like a bucket underneath this water. And I was just like, huh. <laughs> like, you were fast, man. You were yeah. Fast. I went into parental mode of, oh, I don't know. Well, no, but yeah, I think it was great. I, I think it was just it, the being present. It was too short. It was too short. No. To, yeah. To, you know, sure. we, you know, I found that on my trip to the States in general, when I meet up with my online friends in person, as I do used to be every year from about 2017 um traveling to the states at least once a year um and it obviously the pandemic affected that and I've made friends like yourself since the pandemic so mm-hmm. you know meetings in person are still we're still outside we're still trying to be safe and and cognitive of what's going on but um but they are um exciting and I do feel like I know a lot of my friends that I meet um from my Instagram I've had my Instagram for many years and I know when I eventually get around to meeting some people and things happen um they 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 say like you know now we're real friends and I'm like what do you mean like we're real friends they're like no 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 to other people when I tell other people about you they say oh that's an online friend that's not real but now we've met in person they can shut up and I'm like yeah I know what you mean. If people who don't have online friends don't really understand what online friends are. They often will be um, quite um, dismissive and can be quite assumptive, like let's make assumptions about, you know, the limits of an online friendship. But I'm here to tell you that you can't, you, you, you can have friends online. You can have lovers online, sexual lovers, if you wish. You can have uh, mm-hmm. romantic relationships or you can find your future wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, yes, I was going to say we did, but actually you did. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> but I know that for the rest of my days, Melinda's going to take credit for finding, <laughs> because 
honestly, y'all can go back and listen to that. That was yeah. some, of the, some of the across the pond with Lee. Yeah, because you <laughs> did episode. some questions. You did some, and and out of side of the podcast, you also gave me some food for thought on my attitude about my part in what it is when you're looking for someone. Because it's all very well we talk about the, you know looking for someone I'm not looking for someone oh I wasn't looking but then I found this person and we talked about that whole mm-hmm. theory of well then you just attract what you're not looking for then don't you if right. you make something defined and you are precise about your intentions the universe gives you what you want and that sounds so hippy dippy where fairy wanky but, I know. but but it's true because it's kind of like if you say um don't don't think of the word dog. Don't think of the word dog. Don't. Well, then you're not only going to think about it, you're going to see dogs and everywhere that you go. Yeah, you, know, but, you know what I mean? It's not quite the same thing because that's the not brain quite. and the brain, that, like, you know, with the confirmation bias. But I do honestly think that it's tied to the same thing because when I changed my life career and I moved into different areas of uh, that I've never been into, one woodwork was one of them, um, digital stuff was another. It was a case, I went into it with the intention of an end goal of being able to understand certain things, to do certain things practically, and to have a network of people online that I could rely on that didn't rely on me to be there in person. Because historically, for my whole life, I've always struggled with in-person relations and never understood that that was why I drank alcohol so much, was to give me confidence and also to ease my anxiety in those social situations. So um with those intentions in place, what I then ended up doing was literally being able to see opportunities when they came up because I had the right mindset to be looking for the right confirmation bias. If you wake up every day going, I'm shit, I'm shit, you're going to start seeing things that confirm that to you because that's what your brain's looking for. But you, And it really is about those motivational speakers that wind me up online because they just give you sound bites. But what they're really talking about is transforming your self-speak in order to transform your brain's perception of your world yes and it's no I agree it's it's about repetition it's about consistency and um and it's about um having loyalty to that cause because that cause is just for you it has no motivations outside of your relationship with you and if you do it with that integrity you're rewarded by the universe because you do get the things that you want you it does start showing you opportunities you have to still take them you have to still do them things don't fall in your lap but what does happen is doors open in different directions that you never even imagined you know Mm -hmm. so a very good example is how I ended up with doing wooden jewelry I never believed uh, that's where I wanted to go at the beginning of that journey that opened up because of other things that I opened myself up to so Yes. If you don't ever start on the path and you never know where the path can take you. Yes. So, yes. And it will yes. always take you to places you did not think of. That's the whole point. Yes. No. Yes. Well, okay. I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to say, we started off saying welcome to pride, right? Yes. Happy pride month. Happy pride month, everybody. And some of the reason that we were going to hop on and we were going to talk about this is, is kind of because of pride. Yeah. Because of um, some of the dynamics, like not only was it super cool to get to see you, <laughs> but also just um, knowing and, and kind of watching you experience this journey, the concerns going up to it. And because the LGBT community doesn't exactly you know look where we were 
or where we thought we were going to be whenever we fought so hard in the eighties and, and all that other kind of yeah. stuff, you know? And the so 80s now gay community this trip, are rolling their eyes so hard at us right now. Oh, I'm, I am, <sighs> I'm, remember I'm a part of that. <laughs> yeah, so am I. So, I know, am I'm not so, that much younger than you. So yeah. I, I, you know, I, it's, it's, yeah. It's hard. I, it's hard. It's, it's hard. The journey coming over, you mean the journey to the States, this, this past journey trip. to the States. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I know this is pride month and you and I kind of talked about it and we were like, Oh wait, your trip really incorporated a lot of aspects about some questions that we came up with and like how you yeah. felt and those kind of things, you know? Um, so I was going to kind of yeah. jump in there. Um, yeah. So, so what, what Melinda's um, talking about is we had a conversation about how I had noticed a few things traveling as a non-binary human for the first time. Yes. Because of the pandemic, my, my travels have been stalled for two years. And in that time, I'd not only come out as non-binary to me and then to my family and then to everybody else. Um, I'd also started to pursue top surgery, which meant that I threw out all of my bras and my sports bras and I bought a couple of binders. And one of the things I think I said to you was that um, this was one of the first times that I've traveled in a binder. It was the first time I've traveled in a binder, certainly mm-hmm. to a point where it would be um, a, um, not a problem, but an issue because you get searched when you get on a plane. Now, one of the things you have to understand about me, I don't publicize my surname very often, but it's a very distinctive name from Iraq. My grandfather was um, a Baghdadi Jew that came over to England in the 50s because basically the um, the there was a change in power in Baghdad and my grandfather had to emigrate and he came to England and was a physics professor and blah, 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 blah. But But his name is still on a list. So I get stopped at TSA really? and so does my dad every single time we travel to the States. Yeah. Every single time without fail, even internally. I don't know for sure because I can't access the, the databases, but I know that, that, that my name is on a list because there's absolutely no reason to search me. There's absolutely yeah. no, I don't, I'm not a, not a, I'm an English passport holder for a start. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not someone with got lots of metal on me. For instance, I didn't set off any of the alarms for the metal detector, Mm -hmm. but they still insisted on patting me down. So when they did pat me down, very good. I can't blame the actual agents themselves because agents are told what to do by the machine. So if they're searching your bag in the, it's because the x-ray machine told them to do something. They're not picking on you, you know, and like, um, you know, she, she went, you know, she said, what's this? And I said, it's my underwear. And she was like, what have you got underneath your bra? Because when you get to the part, the bottom part of my chest, it feels like there's something underneath my shirt. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, a vest. So I just said, it's a vest. And she was like, oh. And she kind of went, oh, oh. And then just recognition. There was nothing on me. There was no jewelry. Yeah. There was nothing. She was just doing her job, you know. And she was like, oh, no, just go. And my bags didn't even get stopped by the thing. So there was nothing in them. Um, so, and then it happened again. And that, that person was even more embarrassed because they, they, they got to my chest and they went underneath my arms and then they went, okay, never mind. And they didn't even do my legs. So I think it was a case of going, oh, oh. And it, you know, there isn't, there is, it's possibly the fact that they don't get very many people in with chest plates on. Uh, with binders or chest binders or chest plates and so it's an unfamiliar thing for them 
But it highlights to me dis- dis- disabled people. You know, I, ne- I went to a school with a girl who had such bad curvature of the spine. She had to wear a plastic brace all the time. It was horrible for her. She got blisters and all sorts. And so that is the sort of thing that they'd have to, you know, check. Yeah. And I was uncomfortable about using my passport because my passport has my full birth name, which is a very feminized birth birth name. And um, it's extremely triggering for me. But it's I just have to deal with it because um, it's I'm not ready to change my name on my paperwork yet because of the time that it's going to take because I need to be able to travel again in three months' time and it's not going to be back in time. My passport is not going to be back in time for that. I can't it's risk missing. it. I also have to – I'm going for assessment for top surgery in September, which is less – was two two and a half months away, and I won't have time to change my details before then either. So there's reasons why I haven't changed it yet, Um and so that came up that kept cut because they dressed as I am with a mask as well with my hair short and my masculine presenting body and they're presented with a miss very very feminine you know name and they're looking at me like <laughs> what, the, what are you and I've had that what are you look oh. from everybody my whole life and it is what are you it's never who are you? It's always, what are you? Because it hurts my heart. As basic as children's description is, that's basically what children do. What are you girl or a boy? Because you're being trained at home that everything is girl boy. So you think Mm -hmm. everything has to be girl boy. And you look at me and you go, that's not girl boy. And you don't have the words for it. Welcome to my world, little kid. This is my world where there is no word. It's only a non-word, non-binary. There is no inclusive word in English language. There are in other languages. In Italy, they have an entirely entirely different pronoun. In German, I think they do as well, that's Mm -hmm. that's for non-binary people. So there was those aspects um, of the binder traveling and, of course, the uncomfortableness of traveling. I was in my binder uh, probably much, much longer than I should have been, probably 14, 15 hours at one point on one journey. Um, And... um, I'm very big on top. I have a very large chest. So it's not a small binding situation. It's a very much a constricting thing that hurts my ribs, my back, my chest, um, and my the, the front part of my ribs. So it's an uncomfortable thing, but it was also a security thing for me. I feel less like a target if my boobs aren't bouncing down the street, attracting every single male gaze, frankly. Yes. Um, but I would prefer to be that way. Um, but I can't, so I chest binder it is. Um the the name part I'm getting over, the name part I'm just it's kind of, you know, it's it's washing over me because I know it's gonna change eventually. And, yeah. I, and I will change everything and then it'll all be okay. Um but yeah, it was it was interesting. There was no euphoria. It was all <laughs> dysphoria and it was all, yep, yeah, this is hard. This is hard. You know, um, and I it really thought for very, very, um, very, very thoughtful of people who have uh, done a binary trans transition and are not presenting as their passport says because oh, it's soul crushing, soul crushing. So yeah, it was interesting. I, you as a as as being in Texas was, um, is something that surprises people that I go to Texas at all. 
Yes. Because <laughs> other than Florida, is there anywhere less attractive I could go as an LGBTQIA member? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe Kentucky. I don't know. But like, <laughs> or Tennessee. I'm living here there running either. a business. <laughs> but yeah, you are. And you're very much very much open and out and at pride with the stall for your business too and you you know and the thing about texas specifically is a lot of texas is filled with texans who don't believe in texas politics and i have found that that houston is probably one of the gayest cities on the planet like Houston and Dallas are just so gay I don't understand why it's gracious yes we are like I don't understand (laughs) how in denial people can be in in Texas like dude uh, there's that you're producing gays what are you talking about like they don't it's not a mecca for gay like you know San Francisco or you know literally already here (laughs) you're making them here so you need to chill out yeah but like and but it is a very very conservative place and where I was visiting um I visit my best one of my best friends um who I visited this is my third trip to Texas to Texas so um I I like Texas I like the landscape I love the skies I love the storms and the weather you know they're destructive as hell you don't see such extremes where I live so it's it's not I'm not storm chaser level but it's interesting to me you know, it's exciting to be in a no, big thunderstorm that, you know, and I know that a lot of it's, it's destructive. Beautiful. I know there's typhoons and there's cyclones and there's hurricanes and all kinds of things that come in that are so devastating. But um, but that's not what I mean. I mean the beauty of it, you know, as you know, it's, it's um, and then there's the people, you know, I have a, a friend in Houston, um, Lindsay, who I also went to go and visit with, who met me halfway um, at a place called Fort Boggy. Yeah, we had the entire nature reserve, the lake, the whole place to ourselves because it was just before or after Memorial Weekend. I can't remember, but it was empty. No one was there. And um, yeah, and we had a a flea bitten, mosquito bitten trip (laughs) visit. But again, it's another person that I I go out of my way to go and see in Texas because you know, you, you all live so far away. If I don't make the opportunity to come to, to take a hop over from California when I'm visiting my partner to see my people in Texas, I'll never see you because coming over to England is just, you know, it's 13, 14 hours um, that a lot, not a lot of people can even afford to do, let alone, you know. But it, one of the things I wanted to That's why I didn't mind was, driving to where you were at. Why? I was like, oh, no, I'll drive it's your quite, way. It's quite... Um, <laughs> what's the word it's quite mixed where where I was staying I won't say the town but it's quite mixed where I was staying wasn't it and it's it's um as far as demographic goes mm-hmm. but it's um and it and as as far as wealth goes as well it's quite a mixed area in that respect and it's but it's also I think that that diversity helps me because I do stick out like a sore thumb but I don't stick out as much as I would in some other conservative areas of Texas um for, for the way that I look um, there are occasions where I won't speak because um, they're expecting a male voice. I've already been called sir. And in that moment in Texas, I do not correct them and I don't speak. So if it's something where I can just go mm-hmm, 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 and just walk out, I will. 
um, just the same as my neighbour misgendered me earlier and said that I, she was she's a sweet old lady. I went and bought a box of chocolates for her to give to her neighbour for her birthday, saved her the trip to the, I don't know. So I went, I took the money and I went and got it. She was, oh, you're such a good girl. Thank you. And my partner was on the phone. She said, and I said, look, I'm not going to correct a 75-year-old woman in the street in this moment because as much as I don't like it, it's also our part of the job that they don't tell you about that's not in the job description to educate other people. And you don't educate mm-hmm. other people by berating them publicly. No yeah. So I, I'm seeing her tomorrow. She wants to lift up to the ferry tomorrow. So I'm going to um, have a quiet word of her on, on my own and say, I'm not a girl. That's what non I'm glad you brought means. that up. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, because there's a lot of, like, this goes to, you know, sort of pride as well, is there's a lot of pride. The word pride itself, I find, is quite triggering to me because I've been always been taught about being prideful. You know, like, to be prideful is, you know, a sin, whatever, you know, religious, religious hashtag religious trauma. But, like, it, it but also pride is is seen as you know this thing that's that's um grand and big and you know get out of the way for my pride kind of thing you know (laughs) when you see you know british pride when you see american pride when you see gun pride when you see you know army pride police pride it's all very in your face this is how i am and that's the way it is and i understand that that's why we kind of got that word to use because of that But I always find that people who have a problem with any part of the LGBTQIA community, um, it's because of the word pride, because they think that we shouldn't be proud of something we should be ashamed of, in their opinion. Yes. And it causes such a conflict for them morally that they've got. And that's why I won't correct people in public, because I'm like, you want to stand here and tell people why you think how you think. And I don't want to listen. So I'm not going to get into this exchange with you. Because you want me to stand here and give you a platform. No. And it's the same online. If I see hateful comments, if I see hateful messages, delete, block, delete, block. I don't, a lot of them I try not to even read the whole thing. As soon as I know what it's that it's nasty, it gets deleted. The engagement is not needed. You're not getting it from me. If you want engagement, talk to me like a human being and I will give you engagement. I'll talk to just about anybody in my DMs. They're always open on my social media. But if you're disrespectful or you try and come at me with a convincing argument to convince me of your point of view, you will not succeed. You'll just piss me off because uh, I have my own opinions on things. I don't have no need to convert myself to your opinion. You know, I can do that of free will if I feel that your opinion may be valid, but it will very rarely be on your opinion. It will be on a fact, you know, like, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so like, Pride and I, I pride is dangerous. Pride here is dangerous because pride here is exposure. I don't have a pride flag outside my house. I don't have one on my car. I don't wear pride t-shirts and I don't wear pride rainbow shit because it makes me a walking target. Yes. No, and I've I don't, been a walking target. I've been a walking target. I don't want to be a target no more. I spent probably 15 years of my life trying to shrink myself down to make myself less of a target and still got beaten up six or seven times so like I it it doesn't matter it's world's taught me it doesn't matter what I do 
Um, and some will say, well, wear the rainbows then. Yeah, except that in that situation, I'd rather just wear a black T-shirt because who do you think the bigot's going to go for? The person who looks like a guy in a black shirt or the queen who's got rainbows mm-hmm. all over you? It's no, it's no brainer. They're going to go for you. So I'm sorry, I'm making myself a smaller target. Yeah, well, and I don't. I think that that's part of it. You know, it's changed and evolved as it's gone. But, you know, and I like enjoying who you are, you know, if you want to have a rainbow, then have a rainbow. But I'll be honest with you. I, I don't put things on my car. I don't put things at my house, um, but not because I'm ashamed of it, because you can literally. No, there's no shame me in this. Up no, uh, uh, and, there's yeah, no it's shame. safety issue. This is about it's safety. safety. Yeah, yeah, this has I nothing not, to do with shame. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not ashamed. No, and that's why I wanted to point it out so mm-hmm. that everybody mm-hmm. listening knows, like, this is about safety. This is not about, you know, shame at all. But I also have allowed myself spaces that I can, you know, have um, fun, I guess, with colors and who I am and those kind of things. Yeah. And as as we've worked together, we've talked about where it's appropriate and where it isn't in a business setting to be to talk about your sexuality because straight people don't do that. It doesn't have to come into their equation at all. The privilege of them means that it's assumed. So they don't have to think about it or put it into their profiles. But we do have to do that, not just so that we're respected, but so that other people can see us, know that we're a safe harbor for them to be themselves as well. Yeah. And that's so. Okay. So whenever you came in, I know I'm going to backtrack us just a little bit. Whenever you came into Texas and let me ask you a question. Whenever you did see stuff that was rainbow oriented and those kind of things, not that you cared because you love rainbows and you love people celebrating, right? But did you feel it in your stomach? Because sometimes I do. I'm like, oh my goodness, are they going to be okay? Or, oh my gosh, do people bother them? I do. I do. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I think I've always done that. Like, I think because even as a child, I was looking for any sign of any queer anywhere around me because they were so well hidden. They were hidden in media. They were hidden in shows. They were hidden in, you know, around me. Teachers, you know, coaches could not be out when I was young because it was a, it was a, it was illegal. Then it was decriminalized. Then it was um, there was a high age of consent for gay men. And then there was the don't say our equivalent of don't say, which is Section 28, which meant that they weren't allowed to teach us about um, LGBTQI stuff at school. So. Um, those things meant that every time I saw someone that even looked remotely queer, I would, at the same time, I was trying to make eye contact with them to sort of go, me too, me too. I also wanted to not draw attention to them by drawing my attention to them. So I kind of ignored them. I kind of ignore them more than I would ignore them if they were straight, which is terrible. I know that's not how I act now, but that's how I was. And like, in yeah. Texas, specifically in Texas, I, I do this a bit in California as well, because California is another one that's got loads of gays, but at the same time is extremely conservative right next to each other. And they rub up against each other all the time in a bad way. And it just mm-hmm. it's like, I want to acknowledge that you're queer, but I also, you know, there's times when my partner will try and hold my hand and she has to read my body language. I don't feel safe to do so. And thankfully, I have someone that is uh, tuning into what I need and what I don't need century wise at the same time as understanding my morals. Um, so she's in, tuned in. She goes, what's going on? And I'm like, what? What do you mean? Because I've 
it's been a long time since someone's been able to read me that easily and I'm like why what yeah. why, what were you reading what, off what, me huh? and she's like your energy changed what what happened and I was like oh that's because that guy that just pulled into the parking lot hasn't stopped staring at us since since he pulled in and I clocked him looking at us and he made contact eye contact with me and he's still staring and she's like well what do you want to do about it and I'm like I don't want to do anything I just want to get out of here now I don't feel safe and I don't even know if this guy had I don't know what his intentions were all I know is I felt what I felt and I didn't feel safe. Being in California and being in Texas just heightens it. The reason why is because sometimes with my um, conditions, I get overstimulated and I get angry. And we talked about this just before we came into the recording Mm -hmm. about how some of the things can manifest in me. And I've always been treated as the one in the family that's likely to explode. The one who's got the shortest temper, the one who's likely to be the most passionate and expressive, the loudest person, the one that talks the most. Those things are all sensory issues with me. Um, it means that there's something sensory going on and I'm, 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 it's externally explaining itself. So if I'm suddenly short tempered for no apparent reason, there's something bothering me environmentally. So, and that could be as little as the smoke from the car in front because they're smoking a cigarette is getting into my car because that's how Mm -hmm. keen my smell is. So like, and it's, it's that kind of situation where she's, you know, um, uh, reading those things has made me understand the situations where I get worried about my safety and it, people do stare, but the problem with staring is you don't always know if that stares. Why? Yeah. If it's a, should I be afraid of that stare? Do I make, do I smile? And with masks, it's difficult, but like, or is that going to invite conversation? Because what I find when I travel as an English person is every American wants to talk to me. doesn't matter what I'm saying. Doesn't. They just want to hear what my voice. And I, it, it's. It's it gets, so bad. I hate that that's true, but that's so true. It gets boring because like literally the person in the, like I was on a flight, a, I don't remember which even flight it was now, but it's in one particular flight. I was stood in the queue and I said to this person, do I need to produce my passport because of this, that, and the other? And he was like, oh, no, that's fine, ma'am, whatever. Like, And I just rolled my eyes. And, just, and then the person behind me said something like, um, oh, my God, I love your accent. <laughs> Thank you. I try and not to do that anymore because now I know how she, bothersome <laughs> <laughs> no, but She went to say um, – she went to say something else to have a conversation with me and I just turned my head and walked away because I'm like I am not going to have this conversation with every single American so you can tell me about the one time you went to England or the one other English person you know or the thing that you want to see in England but you've never managed to get there you actually don't actually even have a passport and you know and you watch you've you've watched Harry Potter and you've you know seen Downton Abbey and you want to meet the Queen and I don't care I love you, America, but I don't care. I am not the British ambassador for England. I am not um, a tourist guide, although I am happy to help my friends find cheaper accommodation than the tourist traps when they come here. But yeah, yeah. so there's there's aspects of your safety where in, when I'm in America, I can turn that around sometimes and use that to my advantage, the, the tourist trap, so to speak, because if I feel in danger... If I raise my English voice, more Americans turn their heads and it yep. then becomes, do you want to have this fight? Because now we have an audience. 
Actually, that's very smart. You know, yeah, except there's one times it did backfire on me and that was that the people that turned their heads were all on their side. (sighs) And I was suddenly very outnumbered. And uh, it's a situation where you just go, well, you have your opinion, I've got mine, I've got to go now anyway, and you leave, even if you don't have to leave, you leave calmly and quietly. But, you know, it's not even arguments. I don't even want arguments with people. It's just that I just, I don't, I don't understand, I have never understood straight people's need to know what I'm doing in my bedroom and what's in my pants. Why do you care? Never. I don't understand it. The only thing that makes sense to me is that the majority of sex offenders are straight. I mean, coincidence? I don't think so. Um, so yeah, it's just you know y'all are obsessed. You need to calm down or get some or something because you know it's just ridiculous. Because the gay community doesn't do that. The gay community understands, and they don't. You don't have people in. You do occasionally have these people who don't understand etiquette of trans trans um, the trans community and what's polite and what's not polite amongst any community that isn't like your own. You know, curiosity isn't rude. It's the it's the delivery of it that's rude. And also disrespecting the human that you're asking. If your curiosity is at the detriment of someone else's respecting their personal space and personal information, then that's where yeah. you've crossed the line. Yeah, there's honestly the amount of seminars that I've I've talked out with other creators and other people that have held seminars with people that are educating LGBTQI people. I've rewritten one that I went on. I was like, this is wrong. You're not including this, this, and this, and you're 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 narrowing your your language because you are straight and you have no rights giving this talk to other yeah. straight people. Go and find somewhere queer. Well, how do we do? You advertise it as a queer position. You're allowed to do that. It's not discrimination. It's about getting the right person for the job. And a straight person, I'm sure there are straight people that can produce those talks well. But honestly, you don't get half the empathy as you do for lived lived experience. Yeah. Well, uh, and also it's some of that little nuances, you know, just like no matter where I go, I walk in with this face, you know, (laughs) and so no matter what, this is my experience. And so there are things that I cannot presume that I understand because I've absolutely never experienced it. Right. And that's so that would be the same for if I was talking to you about, you know, um, specific trans things you know like you know going for top surgery that's not something you've ever gone for so you're not necessarily you'll know about it through your work you'll know about yeah, it I was trained but right trained you were trained so that's different <laughs> that's the that's the difference but the but other than that like you've got to rely on how I come to you with that information so you've just got to open your ears and unfortunately in the gay community what's happening I don't know if it was always there and I just got older and started to notice it more or that there's a lack of empathy for the difference in us all and I don't understand it because that's a cancer in a community that should be lifting each other's differences up I didn't even know that it was there until I got older Mm. I really didn't I didn't realize it until Mm. I especially whenever I opened my practice and my community is is predominantly who we work with and I did not realize the severity of it yeah. Um, Unfortunately, so. the gay community is is emulating, excuse me, is emulating general society and segregating itself. 
not only is it segregating itself by race and colour, but it's also segregating itself by demographic in the sense to say straight gay, ma- uh, gay, gay men, gay white men don't necessarily mix with black trans women. Why? Why? Totally Explain it to me. Explain why you have nothing in common with a black trans woman. You're in the same community. You're both marginalised. You're both treated differently for things you can't change in yourself. But they get to walk in and people make presumptions about them that are socially acceptable things. Like as for instance, they're usually wealthy. They're usually are better off. They're usually, um, you said white, you know, and so one, they don't naturally even look at two white males that come in and think, oh, wow, they're, you know, they're part of the community. Yeah, so, there's a lot of, but that's the thing is I think that's the, it, where we've we've been attacked so much as a community in general. I think it's it's only natural for smaller communities splintered, you know, within the group. But I always thought that the gay community was one there, especially during Pride, that could bring all those little groups together as one umbrella group, and just even just for Pride, be like. I love you, brother and sister, and everyone else in between. And you tons know. do. I will say that. I mean, I, we're talking about all different kind of patches, but here in Dallas, like my Pride experience, it was it was incredible to see, you know, gender diversity, sexuality diversity, you know, um, heteronormative that were allies, you know, and all of that. And have it be welcoming and inclusive. So there is a lot of positivity, but it's those few spots spots that make it super dangerous. It makes it so hard. Like, I feel like a lot of the shit that goes on in our community is about emotional immaturity. It's about not being able to communicate correctly. It's also about not being able to regulate your emotions properly. And often in a marginalized community, that's because of trauma. You know, but go on. No, I was just going to say that this is one of the things that I really saw come to fruition. Um, Everybody thought, oh, wow, now that gay marriage is here and it's accepted, like, we're, it's going to be great. And it's like, no, you've had people live in the closet for decades. They don't even know if they know how to do a relationship, a gay relationship outside. They don't know what public displays of affection looks like. They don't know. None of this was known. And so many relationships broke up because they're like, wait, whoa, I, cause they have all that trauma attached yeah. to this being out. And then sure enough, we go out and then jerked back with the next people who are in power, you know, and it's all turmoil again, you know? Yeah. And so it's been very, it has, it is very difficult to say, this is how we would live if, this is how we would have maturity. Well, we only got to practice for what, five years out, Yeah, you know, I mean, out period and be accountable for our actions and learn how to apologize and learn how to not shove it in somebody's face. It's just like quote unquote. Okay. So you, you and I are both sober and we talk about our sober journey sometime as well. And I was talking about my sober journey this morning on my socials because somebody mentioned why their motivations for drinking and what they possibly were and getting to the understanding that actually they probably weren't what they thought they were but that actually it was about emotional regulation and that they had never learned the emotional maturity to regulate their emotions in those happy, sad, celebratory, commiseratory prompts. So they drank. And I was then talking to someone else about the same subject and realized that uh, 
we were dumped into our first adult relationships in our 20s, expecting to know exactly what we were doing. And yet we had been in the closet the entire time. So people like me who had their first serious relationship with some with a woman um, from I I met her 10 days before my 18th birthday. So I always say 17 because it makes me sound younger. But I was 18. We dated for nearly four years. We were going to get married. We were going to buy a house and everything like that. And um, and when I look back on that relationship now, um, I clung to that relationship in the last year of it because. I didn't know who I was without that relationship. And that was more about finally I was in a gay relationship, mm-hmm. an out gay relationship. That was the key because I had been, I always knew I was gay and I'd had girlfriends privately, uh, secretly and boyfriends publicly so that no one would ask me questions. Yeah. So I had beards effectively yep. to anybody that's under 30. That's what we used to call a straight presenting partner and quite often they would be a gay gay man and a lesbian would team up to go out to social events and weddings and stuff Mm -hmm. so that we wouldn't ask so many questions and that that whole trauma of having to hide such a key part of yourself and honestly we talked about earlier about the bitterness of it because the fact that we had to do that you know but it is also to say like yeah it is a relevant question to say a lot of mature uh, um, gay people are immature emotionally in relationship they're just immature you know and Mm -hmm. I I wonder if half the reason why lesbians move so bloody fast is because they're using child's logic of sparsity to say lesbians only come along once every 10 years I'm going to grab this one because this might be my only chance and we're going to have to be the only person on our finger because you know this this person meets this this and this criteria I'm not going to do better because there's such a limited pool of lesbians because I'm in the closet and because it you know everyone else is closeted or we live in a straight community so yeah and I I feel like that's part of it but I also think the other part of that emotional immaturity in relationships and gay relationships is also to do with the fact that they mistaken with the gay marriage mistakenly believe that you then have to reproduce heterosexual representations of marriage relationships yes you know and this conversation is going on at the moment with a couple of butch lesbians that I know I'm following it in the comments about how sometimes that works you know for this particular butch lesbian was talking about you know they're very butch presenting um they're very much a butch lesbian not a trans mass non-binary like myself but we present very similarly and um that they, when they have a partner, that they do look are more attracted to more feminine presenting women and that they're in their role as their relationship, it will look like from the outside by heterosexual eyes as a heterosexual, like emulating it, you know, mm-hmm. which is why straight people will often throw the jive of saying, you want to be a bloke so much, why don't you just be a bloke? So we're not copying you. We have yeah. no other examples. Yes, this is the modeling that we experienced. So therefore, doesn't mean it's right. We can't undo it all at one time. Straight marriage is not like a bed of roses. Don't pretend like it's a bed of roses. If it was so amazing, why would so many people be getting divorced? If it was so amazing, why would, um, you know, uh, people be getting into these marriages with these men and then finding out that they're lesbians later on? If it's so amazing, why aren't they staying where they are? You know, it's, it's just... And I think that, that that whole role thing about saying butch butch lesbians only do this and femme lesbians only do this and that that whole thing, if there was actually a book 
that young queers could read about it. I'm sure there are, but like, you know, here's once you decide you're gay, that you know, your gay fairy just appears and goes, <laughs> right, here's your kit. You got the clothes, you got the hair, you got the tattoos, the piercings, the you know, rainbow flag stuff, and here's your manual on how to have relationships with people because this is how you will talk to gay men. This is how you will talk to trans women. This is how you will relate to trans men. This is how you relate to non-binary people. And this is how you relate to anybody else who's in that umbrella, pan, asexual, whoever it is. But we don't. We just mm-hmm. expect that this hetero heteronormative model will work in all those settings and then wonder why we have so much problem. Right. <laughs> I know. I know, but the, I get, I do get, I do get a little bit protective of the sexuality and gender community because I'm like, no, and especially in the gender community, are you kidding me? Like maybe two years of acknowledgement before all hell broke loose, and so it's like, no, super protective of them because they. Yes, of course, they're not going to know exactly how to do this or exactly how to do that because you've, you've made them do it in a closet. Right. You never told them how to do it. And then you're upset with them getting it wrong. Yeah. Or not so no, I don't right. have any. Yeah, I don't have any. All of this is, I think, no, we link it back to that pride and that understanding and how you and I kind of talked about how the evolution of pride and what it means to us and how it has changed and grown from what even I knew, you know, as a, as a teenager in the eighties, whenever I tried to come up, you know, come out, it's like all of that has evolved. And it, it is heartbreaking to know that, you know, we went through such this fight and we thought we were giving these younger LGBT yeah. um, we thought this progress. examples. We thought they were for sexuality and yeah, yeah, sexuality and gender. Yeah. and it's like no, like you, you don't, you know what? The word gay doesn't have to be at the top of your list. You can be astronaut, funny person. You know, you can have a million other labels, mm-hmm. and you don't even have to like gay doesn't because heterosexual is not because they've merged it into every single thing that they do, right? Mm-hmm. And so. You don't have to have gay at the top, but whenever someone could possibly take your life for it, yeah, it's pretty damn close to the top because you got to figure out what to do with it all mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. you know? And so anyway, sorry. It's the and, passion. No, and it's, it's, yeah. And like, and as you were saying about it being it evolving is that, that some people don't understand that danger because that's not where they are with their pride, their pride for them. Correct. It means a week of drinking a month of seeing all their gay friends, going out to all the pride parades, waving all the flags, putting all the stuff up, fighting all the bigots online and just but generally being out there and waving their tits about. And that's great. Good for you. And I did that when I was 19, 20. And that was great. Um, but what I realized as I got older and what you do realize as you get older, there's then different types of pride for different age groups. Then if you get into childcare, you have the daytime yes. pride people don't mix with the nighttime pride people and like you know um and then because there's the parade those people. are society those just like what we were talking about i'm sorry i'm gonna interrupt you no, and I, hold that thread but this is what it is see 
the heteronormative society has had all this opportunity to figure out how do you do at the park? How do you do at the school? How do you do here? How do you do there? And they're like, well, you know, it's just so awkward. I'm like, yeah, because we've been living in a closet for decades. Yeah. And like, even, <laughs> so like, if you add into the idea that as a gay person, I've had to navigate whatever felt safe was what I did, not necessarily of how I wanted to be. And then as an adult, trans mask non-binary human coming out as that and then saying well now there's an extra layer to it because now I'm like how do I perform in this situation what do I wear to the park what do I wear to a coffee with my friends what do I wear to my partner just said to me on the phone just now why are you putting your binder on and I was like because I've got to go to the store and get some butter and I'm making some cookies later I need to go and get some butter now she's like okay and like she doesn't say well you don't need your binder on she she knows I do need my binder on and she knows that it's stupidly hot out there and I will still have my binder a t-shirt and a sweater on because that's how dysphoric I feel and it's like those things were things I had to ask myself again like I was a young queer again because it was like what do I want people to talk to me how do I want people to talk to me I had to make up all those rules myself what I felt comfortable with this week I was at the dentist and I actually finished off and uh I got a little gold star because teeth are really good and um she said uh said something about oh you only have to come once a year now like unless you have any problems you're all right I was like okay great and uh as I swung my legs around I was like could you uh, just change my records? Because um, I actually came out as non-binary and my name's Lee and I prefer not to hear my full birth name when I come here. And she touched my leg, which is part of the story because um, she's a very um, gentle dentist. She's very specific dentist that I found that will knows that I can't, don't put your hands in my mouth unless you're doing something. Like you can't just like, no, 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 and then t- that talk to me. I will want to bite you. I will bite you. So like, <laughs> um, so it's like, so she's, so she's very compassionate. So, and she touched my leg to make me make eye contact and was like, we'll do it here. And I was like, I wanted to say something downstairs at the, th- at the reception, but there was people around and I didn't want, to. she was like, we'll do it here. So they did, both of them went through all of the things they could change, possibly my, my, you know, to change my title to MX um change my pronouns there's nothing to change pronouns but they did put a note in to say they them and they will use them i know that dentist i've used that dentist for three years now and she will do that so that but that feeling i came out of that dentist appointment and i was sat in my car and i did a tiktok about it because i was like the feeling that i got as they did it what i was requesting i said they were asking me questions they were like would you like us to change your title as well i was like oh i don't care about that and they were like, oh, but, you know, we can put MX. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. Whatever will bring less attention to me yes. in this kind of situation, we do that. I said, I don't worry about pronouns and I don't worry about miss, sir, ma'am. I don't worry about any of that because I don't want to have that conversation with every single person that gets it wrong. But it's not because you wouldn't prefer to just yeah. be respected with the correct. It's not because I wouldn't prefer. But I also am very highly aware that we live in a heteronormative society that I cannot change one person at a time like that. It's it's you've got to say, you know, protect your peace and decide which arguments to have and which battles to fight. And in those situations, 
um, I think it, it comes back to that safety element of saying, do I feel safe to ask for what it is that I need uh, in this situation? And what does what does it mean for me to appear as non-binary and to be uh, a non-binary um, you know, human in this world, because uh, those those questions on safety and how does it affect how I relate to other people are so important for us to work out. Fortunately, I found myself a therapist. I pay for by myself because the NHS has got yeah. waiting lists through the, and I'm going private with my other stuff because I recognised that I needed the support because my parents are not equipped to help me with this. And this is a parental situation where me as a child, NB child, needs a parent mm-hmm. to tell me how to, these are your options, not tell me what to do, but these are what you could do. This is what people before you have Educate done. Educate you this with is the appropriate right. There's knowledge. no one, there's yeah. no elder queers to do that. Heterosexual people can go to grandma, they can go to the goddamn neighbour and they'll have an opinion on whether they get married or not, but you can't yeah. find... <laughs> The queer community, the elderly queer community, specifically in our community of our age group, we lost a lot in the age crisis. Millions of people (laughs) died. We lost a lot of our elders. We lost a lot of the people that would now be our grandparents, our queer grandparents aren't here. You know, our queer elders, even just in their, you know, early 60s, aren't there so yes. it's it's there's a big void there i think in in that nurturing part of the gay community of nurturing those i think that that having that big um holocaust of taking out such a big portion of our community has left queers with less idea of their own identity and especially the way that the heteronormative society turned upon the gay people during that pandemic yeah has created more tension again and it's it's a tragedy because i think that we were moving forward at that point and that set us back um and sorry um and um so so i feel like a lot of those discord things are because of a lack of stability of knowing because we don't generationally have that history unless you happen to know someone who's got that verbal history you've got no guidance yes yes okay so is there anything else before we wrap it up? Because I've loved this talk about yeah, pride. I'm I mean, glad we that just, you were open we just to decided, it and the journey yeah, and traveling. Just, yeah. Yeah. We just wanted to have a little round table about pride issues, I love it. didn't we? And just like, you know, mm-hmm. um, chat about a few pridey things. But um, yeah, no, not really. I just I I really um enjoyed the the segments that we did. We're gonna do some more across the yes. pond episodes. But yes. um, they won't be based around finding me a wife anymore. <laughs> and, no, no, we've done that. Um, yay! yay. <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, it, it, it's still interesting to have the different perspectives from across the pond. The politics are the same too. but different, you know. And like, it's important, I think, for our listeners to hear a difference, especially when it comes to the queer stuff and the non-binary stuff. So my journey has not ended, so we still have the non-binary journey that we started off when you interviewed me we had those episodes and then we mm-hmm. went into doing these joint episodes so we still have some and I'm I'm hoping to write a blog piece on traveling as a non-binary person and then hopefully we can do a couple of episodes on my um, experience leading up to my consultation and then after my consultation I'm happy to share it in a controlled way that so that people awesome. can, can hear that information about what happens 
you know, and dispel some of the myths that have come up even in my own research. I was like, oh, will I have to take testosterone? I don't want to take testosterone. You know, will, will they not Will they not let me have the surgery because I've got mental health issues? No, none of those things are true. And yeah. again, there's nowhere for you to re- get those resources except other people. So I find although TikTok is a very toxic place, it's very racist, it's very homophobic, it's transphobic, it is also a mecca for trans LGBTQ people and non-binary people. So there that look for them. I think it's the yes. only thing I would say is if you, you want to be them out. yes, if you want to be part of a community, be intentional. look for them. Look, be intentional. Yeah. Go and find, don't find the person bitching off on TikTok about something to do with the gay community within and having an in battle. Avoid those queers because they're just about drama hot air they actually don't say much at all they don't bring anything to the argument really much at all it's about attention seeking but look for the people in the comments that are trying to put the fires out look for the people that are giving information with their content yeah. because those people really are huge great big swathes of libraries of information for trans people for lgbt youth for um lgbtqia people who don't really mm-hmm. necessarily know who or what or where they're even more marginalized and it's specifically for um for um native and indigenous people there is a whole queer community there on online as well so um but yeah, yeah and but thanks again for another good oh, chat about all kinds so of things much. let and me talk we will, <laughs> we will make sure to include i'll make sure to include in the bio all of lee's information and um, they have a great non-binary um journal yeah my, my yeah my open instagram instagram yeah it's called living outside the binary all one word um yep. And that's on Instagram. And then on Instagram and TikTok um, is the Rainbow Carver. Um, and I do have a website as well if you want yeah. any merch. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that. Yeah. But I will put that in the bio because, you know, yes. I'm editing yes, it yes. anyway. So. I know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I know. Normally I have to say that and I have to remember to ask for it. Yeah. But since you do it, I guess you know the information. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, listen, for, every, for all the listeners out there, thank you guys so much for joining us. Um, Lee, thank you so much for sharing some thank and just exploring the on this Pride Month, you know, kind of the ebbs and flows of what that yeah. means and stuff and traveling. As a part of the community and for everybody out there please be sure to be kind and patient with yourself and we will see you next week on melinda chats hi everybody melinda here with melinda chats this is a reminder that this is not a therapy session nor is it a replacement for your personal relationship with your therapist if anything that we discuss here brings something to the surface that you feel like you need to talk about please reach out to your therapist or if you want to reach out to me, you can find me at mcpcounseling.com and I'll be more than happy to help. That leads me to thank you wonderful humans for being here with us for this chat. We look forward to seeing you for the next episode on Melinda Chats. Please remember, be kind and present with yourself.